0: Welcome back, you beautiful people, to The Real Collective Podcast. I am your host, Sean Tasse, joined by my illustrious co-host, Kyle Miller. What's up, K-Dog? Oh, you know,
1: man, as we said, living the dream, as usual.
0: I don't know if I've ever called you K-Dog. I don't know if anybody's ever called you K-Dog, but I feel like I got a flat grip. <laughs> so I got I to I lean in, lean in heavy. Yeah, yeah. Take. can't turn back now.
1: That's, That's it. it. All right. <laughs> <into> that skin.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it. As always guys hit that like button, subscribe to the channel so you can keep up to date. We just launched a bunch of different real estate video content for properties that have not yet hit the market. So if you want to keep up to date with stuff before it hits, uh, hit that subscribe button and share this with someone who you think might like what we're talking about today. We are going to start talking a little bit about some environmental assessments, what that means had a client just recently uh, go through a phase one assessment. And uh, one of my partners, Elliot, is going through, I think, a phase two environmental assessment right now. And Kyle, you've got uh, you've got a, a place that you, you, you think of often yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At, uh, that was beside a, a gas station.
1: There's literally a place there's literally a place here in the I don't I won't pick it out cuz there's no point but here in the auto area and it's like it's at a very big corner and it's like I don't know a couple hundred feet from a gas station and like I grew up in that area seeing this place all the time and it didn't bother me then didn't think about it it's just a house sure. we went to high school with the person that lived there and then now every time I drive by I'm like oh man like that's going to be so hard to sell someday <laughs> just because just because it's so close to a gas station. And it's uh, like when when we do certain, appra- get certain appraisals done and look at certain properties, literally a question by some of the, um, you know, there'll be certain things that tip off, off a lender and they'll be like, what's the closest gas station? And if it's within like X hundred feet or hundred meters, they're like, no, no, no. Or you have to get an environmental assessment and uh, like a soil sample to make sure that there's been no leaching or anything like that. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's really wild to see. And it's, it's those little things where people are like that house is great or that's a great deal. And it's like, you need to go deeper into the financing part to understand that the number might be good, but you're going to own that house forever, <laughs> forever. You're never getting out of that place. Yeah,
0: yeah. You can't even give it away. Um, No. Just just so that uh, people can understand, uh, when they do environmental assessments, from what I understand, again, not an expert, but, you know, uh, have some recent experience with it. So when they do a phase one environmental assessment, they walk around you know, they pull data, they say, hey, what can we see here? Do we see uh, buried oil tanks on a residential property? Do we see a commercial property that has, you know, uh, that does automotive, for example, and there's oil that's, you know, not draining properly? Uh, Are they doing rust proofing and the rust proofing spray is winding up everywhere? Anything that's potentially, um, you know, a problem they raise when they do a phase one environmental assessment and then they go back into the history and they pull up when what was there ever a gas not just is there a gas station here now was there ever a gas station and in ottawa we have a, a little a little place called the breton flats uh that that had that was a, i think it was a garbage dump for a long time I don't even
1: i i hear talk about all the soil and stuff at le breton and what's going on there I'm going to plead ignorant. I have no idea what the problem is. I just know people get real fired up about it, but I have no idea what the problem is. And it's like, like that's probably one of the biggest slowdowns into getting, into getting our lowly sends back down, like back into downtown. But I could honestly say I have no clue. And I figure there's enough money out there to clean it up, but maybe there isn't.
0: I don't know. Hey man, November's over. So I think they can start winning again.
1: Oh, good. Good for them. Start that (laughs) tomorrow.
0: Right. Tomorrow, yeah. December 1st. Check. Um, yeah, so so if it, yeah, so phase, I think what it was for Le Breton Flats is it was originally the garbage dump and then all the garbage leached. They pulled all the garbage out, they had to lift up all the houses, and they moved all those houses a hundred years ago or whatever it was to Mechanicsville. So all the houses that you see in Mechanicsville that are all like old little janky Places that don't actually have basements. Those are houses that they lifted up from Le Breton and dropped them down in Mechanicsville. So
1: that's a cool story. I didn't know that. That's a cool story. Okay.
0: Neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. so there you go. A little history. I, uh, on Facebook, there's this group called Lost Ottawa. Uh, and they have like all these old, old pictures and old stories about how Ottawa was, like, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's it's super interesting uh, when you start to nerd out about your city, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the phase one, they'll go through and they'll look back, you know, 50, uh, up to 50 years to see was there ever, a, 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 like, what do you call it? a gas station within that proximity, whatever it is, whatever the, the distance is that they need to have, was there ever that uh, uh, sort of, you know, thing to consider? And then... If the phase one turns up, oh, hey, looks like we need to figure some stuff out here, then they'll order a phase two. If phase one's like, hey, no, we're good, man. You're set. This is uh, nothing to worry about. All good. Perfect. All set. Nothing to worry about. But phase two requires, uh, among other things... Uh, digging down, doing core samples, so they have to dig down all the way to the water table and figure out what's in the soil all the way through and what's in the water below the soil. So that's that's a big time uh, expense. It costs a lot to do that. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And then if they come back and they say, "Okay, cool, the soil is not contaminated. You're good," then you'll be able to to go on to your your next phase. And a lot of times people are doing this because they want to build, not just buy, right, the regular uh, house on the corner that you're talking about, but they want to build. And and that's been, I think, there's something like a 50 year uh, uh, holdover or, or hold, hold off period until you can do anything. If the ground is determined to be contaminated, even right beside our office here. So between like uh we've got this office on the corner of bronson right beside the queensway and right between our office and there's a mcdonald's on bronson as well there's yeah. a gap. There's, there's there's a there's a gap in the street uh and there's nothing there because it used to be a gas station It's just a fenced off open lot and it used to be a gas station nobody can do anything there they have to wait for that for that time to pass and there's they- one
1: right across the road too
0: right across the road from where
1: that same spot like you're gonna like
0: that same spot. Well, oh, ga- yeah, the, another gas station. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, there's another one that we bought that we almost bought. And again, you got to buy these things with cash, right? We almost bought a house that was uh, in old Ottawa South. And it was right behind like a tire change place that used to be a gas station. And it had a phase one flag raised. Nobody wanted to spend the money and do a phase two. So it was like, hey, if you want to buy this house, you've got to pay cash the end
1: yeah and that's and that's you see this a lot more in the commercial space for sure right that that's because of well just because you do um but they have i have had a couple i have had a couple uh scenarios on the residential spot where they still do the same thing now this is lender dependent right so different lenders look at different things especially when you get from you know, the farther away you get from the the major banks in the A space into the private space, those private lenders look look at things differently. Like, they're less worried about you and a little bit more and more worried about the property because the the overarching thought is that you're going to fail, right? Like, the banks plan on you failing, right? I hate to say it, but it's true. The vast majority of people don't. But in the event that you do fail, meaning you default on the mortgage, It's the bank's problem. It's the lender's problem. So they want to know that they can flip that thing in 30, 60, 90 days, get their money out and be done with it. Right. So when you get into that of like, we're less worried about the individual, but more worried about the property appraisals are have happened 100% of the time, like 100% of the time. And one time on this certain property, one of my, the appraiser uh, basically made a note about how old the septic was. And there wasn't enough documentation to know that it was good. And I mean, septics are interesting because they could be 50 years old working perfectly, but it'll fail a test because it's not up to today's standards, but it still works. Right. So there's a, there's a game to play there. And yeah, clients had to have a, clients had to have the septic inspected and come and drill three holes and make sure it wasn't leaching and then a bunch of other stuff. And it was, it was a pain in the ass for nothing. Yeah. But that's where it can happen for sure in the residential space. Yeah, whenever,
0: whenever, whenever you get um, city buyers who are looking for a country property and they've got a city agent with them and they go and look at the septic and they're like, "Oh, it's not that great." It's and then they get like uh, the septic inspector who's like cross the t's dot the i's kind of guy. That deal's gonna fall apart. Uh, I've seen it so many times cause I'm, I've never been a septic person, right? I don't know much about it until you get the good old boys from down the way who come to do the septic inspection and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You'll be all right. As long as you don't just don't mess with it. Right.
1: Well, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is true. Like it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those touchy things where it's exactly that it could go the next day. It could also last another 20 years. And if you have someone get in there and do the, you know, look, do all the inspection, right. It's not going to, they're not going to pass. It's today's it's by today's standards are so
0: different. Wow. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. That's right. And they also run the risk of, of, of messing around with it too much and then it doesn't work. Right. And
1: and it's not, and it's so not cheap to fix that the deal falls apart because it's like, who's going to spend the 25 or $30,000 to do this. Right and and that that becomes the argument so that's a yeah if you're not used to it or understand them it's you want to you want to be working with the right people to figure out how this
0: is going to affect you one way or the other that's true you know i never really think of uh, septics for environments i always think of like you know buried oil tanks or uh like bleaching leaching uh you know gas or whatever through through the ground um yeah, when you when you get into do that phase 2, they it's funny because not funny. Interesting. In the phase 1, they pick here's the different areas where we need to drill. We need to drill in this area because we believe there's that. We need to drill in this area because we believe there's that. We need to drill in this area because we believe there's that. So it's like it's a lot of like um geological science that goes into how they do all of this, right? It's really it's 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 neat to see uh I've got I've got a a seller who's just completed a phase 1 environmental and um it is a 215 page report talking about everything that was found in, in that, in that phase one environmental. And it's like, who, who's going to read a 215 page report? Like, give me the, give me the, you want the highlight Where's the cold snow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, both the client and I joked about that because we both saw the, the report. Like what do we do with this? Like I, you know, As as your agent, I feel as though I need to read through this whole thing and get a pull out all that information. So it's a it's definitely definitely a daunting task, but one that has to happen.
1: I think the key there, too, though, and this is this is one of these conversations where it's like it starts one place. But the nugget to pull out of all this is it's super. Both sides need to understand this stuff and I don't mean like you have to be able to read it and pull out, you know, the like you hire an expert to do that assessment and to look at it and all that, but you need to understand how that could affect your deal. So you aren't the one who's blowing it up for something stupid. For example, timing, right? Like you're talking about, you're talking about something here that takes time and money. Yeah. And if you're the seller, you need to understand that if that happens to your deal, you're not flexing by saying you got five days to give me your conditions like hey bud this is this is gonna be weeks if you want to and the thing is is now that it's happened one time guess what's gonna happen the next time when you crash this deal and put it back on the market guess what it's happening again yeah so you might as well just deal with it because here we go yeah so when people don't understand like like i i find i find that too that When you don't understand how this process is gonna is gonna roll out, or I should I should say, aren't flexible to how this is going to roll out, you're gonna you're gonna be your own worst enemy. Like you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot. I've had people come to my office and been like, "Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. Uh, I want to buy this place." It's like you know, it's like a ten unit ten unit building, and they want a thirty day close. I'm like, in what world? They're like, (laughs) what do you mean? I'm like, it's it's a ten unit place. They're like, yeah. 10 apartments okay i'm like that well first of all that's commercial and they're like okay do you know a commercial broker i'm like yeah but i'm like you're what about your phase one and then the appraisal and then this they're like why would we have to do that i'm like because it's commercial like i'll let you talk to my buddy brent because he's the commercial guy i deal with um but just so you know 30 days unless you have 1.2 million dollars under your mattress that no one's going to ask about um this is not a 30-day deal bro. They're like, yeah. oh man, I, and, and this is coming and the seller's the one who's pushing that out there. I'm like, yeah, you got to know how this stuff is going to work. Like yeah. you have to know how this is going to work and what's a, like, what's a the right
0: expectation. You right. Know? Yeah. And yeah. And what's, <clears throat> what's reasonable, you know, like that was the word. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 30, 30 days is not, is not reasonable. It's not going to, nobody, nobody's going to be able to put it together. Right. So no. like you said, you're just going to be upset. Same as like, uh, a lot of the times on the on the listing side we'll get an offer from someone and they're like hey we need two weeks to do the financing it's like ah uh, no you don't you really just need five days if you have the right agent but i can't control what that buyer client is doing right
1: well well maybe wow. i'll argue that a little hey do it do it yeah, yeah go hit me because because one is that it's two it's two weeks is not two weeks Right. And there's a, there's a, there's a very distinct thing we have to worry about, which are called weekends. Right. So weekend, weekends don't count in the financing world. Right. right? So it's not 14 days, it's 10 right away. And depending on the market, okay. Depending on the market and depending on it, uh, how things happen. You know, I've got some good relationships personally that I can usually call in a few favors, but when every deal becomes a favor, those get worn out pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, for um, for uh, um, uh, I would say the two biggest things are going to be down payment and uh, appraisal. Mm-hmm. Some people have money coming from different places, and if we don't know or have the right documentation for that, it's going to take us longer to do, right? Some of those apprais some of those appraisers don't drop whatever they're doing to go and to go and 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 uh, and have a and and get it done quickly right? It's not like you can just get an appraiser in a day, right? It's going to take two or three days. And, and it, if it takes them two or three days to, to gather it up information, get it, get to the property and takes them another couple of days to finish the report. Cause maybe it's a unique property, right? Again, this is property dependent. So if you've got a, if you've got a townhouse in Barhaven and you and the next 9,987 people have the same house, no offense to Barhaven, um, then, then yeah that's going to be a much quicker appraisal. If you're looking at the house out in carp somewhere, that's just, you know, one-off build and it's, it's totally unique. That 100% is going to take a longer time. 100% sure. Sure. And more inspections and then longer appraisal and all that. So, so I think that's property dependent. I don't disagree, but I also disagree. It depends on the property as to how long you want to do that. And, and, Again, when we take the mentality of well, I last time I sold my house in Bar, again Bar Haven. <laughs> I sold my house in Barham, and it only took three days. When was it? Was it twenty? And there was no conditions. Was this twenty nineteen? This twenty twenty one? Because that's not cool. Like that's different timing. And now you're selling a completely different property, in a completely different place, which is going to be evaluated completely different. So it's that is the thing to make sure we understand.
0: All right, I, I listen. I, I I hear you, and I agree with you, and I appreciate you stopping me. You're, it's not a one size fits all. Let's, get, let's 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 get into more disagreements in the second half. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share this with someone who you think might be interested in listening to Kyle and I disagree, and <laughs> you, can, uh, you can you can respectfully disagree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, makes for better content for the people. Uh, you can book an appointment with Kyle or I in the calendar links below. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you so much for your ears. We will catch you on the flip side. This episode of the Real Collective podcast is brought to you by Real Collective. Real Collective brings together best-in-class real estate agents and collective experts in the field to deliver the best possible service to our clients. We govern ourselves with honesty, open-mindedness, and compassion. With diverse skill sets, our agents are able to better serve a wide array of clients, including first-time buyers, first-time sellers, transferees, estate sales, investors, and rural, vacation, and luxury properties properties. Authenticity and transparency are pillars of our process, which allows us to put our clients at the center of everything we do. Our years of experience and knowledge allow us to deliver prestigious service and optimal results. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, contact us today at realcollective.ca. Welcome back, you beautiful people to the second half of the Real Collective podcast. Kyle and I are going to continue to argue Maybe you'll have to watch <laughs> to find out. Uh, anything Kyle says, I'm just gonna do the opposite of what they taught in uh, in improv and just say no, no. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect.
1: <laughs> so okay, so we're into this. We're December first tomorrow, we're into the winter season, which is a tougher spot. So, but I saw you guys. You guys have put out a good number of listings this week, um, which is I, which I find interesting at this time of year that they're there and stuff. But what like strategy-wise strategy-wise how does that play out at this time of year? Like is it different? Is it harder cuz I mean I feel like it would be, but what's the strategy on that?
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with um you know, whenever people have to sell, they have to sell, right? So you can't you can't take that away. Hey, I've got a flip that I'm doing and it's done. Okay, good go to market like let's not waste any time um positioning is super important right now in terms of uh in terms of your listing game so if you're listing a property um like there's one that we've got a conditional sale on right now the two other properties on the street that it went up against one was listed at 480 one was listed at 490 we went on at 450 and we were sold conditionally within 4 days so we had the status certificate ordered, we had everything for everybody to do, we had a busy open house, we were the best deal going, and it was the first one sold. And even when we looked at you know, the comparable recent sales, not the comparable properties that are active for sale right now, but when we looked at the comparable recent sales, we knew that, hey, 450 is about fair market value it also had the combined experience the, the the combined factor of being a better deal than those other two properties that were available for sale and of course the clients got it ready made it look nice all that sort of stuff so when people came in it showed exceptionally well right that's all part of the strategy part of the plan
1: were the other you say, say it again Were the other two higher
0: yes yeah right so, so yeah okay so, so, the, so by offering the best deal in the prospective buyers uh, opinion, that's how you can still sell. Here's the thing. As we hit the winter time, you're going to have less competition. If you're a seller, you're, there's less people that you're up against. In the springtime, you get lost in a sea of other listings, right? But in the winter time, as we approach the winter, again, a lot of it has to do with, hey, if you've got to sell, you've got to sell and the time is when the time is. If it's now, it's now, right? Um, We've got a, a, another client who um, you know, just finished a flip on the property. Okay, well, it's vacant, it's clean, it's ready to go, it's ready to show. What's your major piece that you're competing against? Well, the next closest listing is listed for uh $499. Well, we're listed at $450. Okay. But again, when we did the comparables and we looked at actually what's sold as opposed to what's active, $450 is pretty close to fair market value. So it's like, if you price at fair market value, and I think a lot of people get stuck on, well, what else is out there for sale? And especially if you don't have an agent working for you that's digging into days on market, average sale price, all that sort of thing. You might not be able to, you know, sell because you'll be sitting there on the market. I, I had a, an email yesterday from from a um a seller who's who's who is an assigned client of, of another agent. And so um that's starting to happen now too, where people are saying, Hey, uh, I'm not getting what I need out of my agent. Can you please help me? I say, Well, if you have an agency agreement, I cannot help you. When that agency agreement is complete, uh, we can have a conversation, but until then I can't. Um, you know, when if and when that expires, hopefully it doesn't, hopefully you sell. But if and when it does expire, I'm happy to have a conversation. So that's you know that's that's what's happening right now and i think a lot of people had another meeting yesterday with a with a guy who um had his place listed too high got bad advice and got stuck holding holding the you know holding his property and he doesn't want to hold it he wants to sell it but nobody told him hey here's what you need to price it at to sell it like they're, they're kind of tough conversations to have right now because everybody's stuck in 2021 pricing right and the reality is it is what it is another another um person reached out and he said hey i got an appraisal from last year my house appraised at 800,000 do well, you think i can sell for 800,000 today I said you're not going to like oh. me, sir. right <laughs> he's like well what do you, what do you think i'm like here's the comparable sales well that one was right next door to me and it sold for 725 and it had a finished basement so you're 700 like oh shit really yeah man so 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 you know if you're selling and it's this time of year you have to be uh, the best deal going and just base it on the facts. Don't base it on what you think you might want to get Base it on the reality of the situation and you'll be okay. Right. Buyers are still out there.
1: I would tell, like, I, I cannot get away from the fact that the data is just the data. Like it is what it is. And if you're questioning anything or even if you want to just, Like, and it's no offense to agents, but I would say, you know, an agent comes in and says, I think we can get this much money. I would, there's a part of me that still says, dude, just pay for an appraisal. Just get an appraisal, just get an appraisal done. If you're really questioning it, right? Like before you have people come in and try to pitch you on how they're going to help you sell and all that stuff, which is, I still do it. That's fine. But give yourself some knowledge, give yourself some knowledge of of what it's going to look, of what it's going to be have that, have that appraisal done. Like, again, if, if it's, it's just such, it's so valuable. It's in my opinion, it's just so valuable. And, and you can, and you can turn that around, you can turn that around and use it, you know, like someone comes in and wants to, wants the snake you for 30, 40 grand less. And you're like, but like, it should be worth this now. I mean, if it doesn't sell eventually you got to do something, but at least there's a starting point there. Um, because yeah, getting stuck holding the bag is tough. I'm working on one right now. I just um, client I'm, unfortunately, I think this I don't we had an appraisal in July at one price and they got it ready and they and they bought first and they listed it. you know, like the whole thing started the price started with a four. You didn't see that very often. And we're still now at the point where we're we're a week and a half to close and we're now gone into protection mode because they haven't sold their house. Yeah. And we needed, we needed to sell. So now we're doing something quite creative uh, mm-hmm. to get this, to get this to close close to on time if we can, but it's, um, but it's, that's tough when you're stuck holding hold the bag like that. And so, maybe, and cool. go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, so the, so the strategy that we're doing in, in those cases where we're going and we're buying a property and we're saying, okay, well, uh, we haven't sold your property yet. And so we need your property to sell for this purchase to work. And we're still doing that. We've done that a number of times, especially this year. Uh, I'm in the middle of one right now. Sometimes you can get away with a first refusal uh, you know, and we've got one right now on a first refusal, which is uh good. It gives that it gives the clients peace of mind. They were buying an eight hundred thousand dollar house and selling a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. So it's a lot easier to sell a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar house than it is to sell an eight hundred thousand dollar house. So, you know, the, the sellers of the eight hundred thousand dollar house said, Okay, you know what, we'll we'll leverage we'll leverage the sale of our house based on the sale of yours, and we've got theirs conditionally sold now. So that's 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 promising, right? But what what you said earlier is if you really want to time the market and strategize like how do you do this the best time to buy is like right now like now and like the first week of january when everybody's hibernating whenever he's in christmas mode whenever he's like go 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 you know in december you know that's the time to buy and buy time close in five months right? Push your closing out as far as you can, kick the can, and be ultra conservative with the value of your home. So if you're like, hey, look, the comparables right now show that my house should sell for, I don't know, call it $600,000. Run your whole math on 550, right? That you're selling price for your house at 550. That way, you're going to be pretty safe when you're moving forward. Because, hey, look, if we get down to it, maybe we can sell your house for 600. And that'd be great if the market picks up. But if you're running all your math on 550 and it gets down to crunch time like you're talking about or, or or starts to feel like sketchy or worrisome or whatever, then you list it for 550. And with the new rules that are coming into place tomorrow, you can create a multiple offer situation and you can, you can tell the other people, hey, I, I was listed at 550. We think it's worth 600, but we're just, we're willing to sell. Uh, we've got an offer for 560. Oh shit, you've got 560 and yeah, you're right. We do think it's worth 600. Here's 575. Oh, okay, great. Hey, we got an offer for for 575. Oh, yeah, 575. I'll give you 580 for it. Right? And you can have that conversation as of tomorrow if your seller gives you the right to do that. Are we going to see multiple offers that are driving the price, you know, 30 grand maybe? Uh 100 or 200? No. Um no. But the the best real estate deal that I've ever done on a flip property I bought it in the fall. I closed on it in uh, the spring and I bought it for five and a quarter. I closed on it and no, sorry, I bought it for, for 450. And I closed on it in the spring. And when I closed on it, the appraised value it was five and a quarter. I made $75,000 before I even closed on the house. And then I went in, I spent like a little bit of lipstick on it, right? Like maybe 20 or 30 grand turned around and sold it, sold it for, for 585. Right. Cause it didn't look as nice until I went and, and cleaned it up. And so that was, I mean, 585 sell price, 450 uh, purchase price, $20,000 of, 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 of money spending, you know, and, and, and that was it. That was a, that was a flip that I, 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 in and out of it real fast. And um, but it was a long closing and I made money during that closing. Now this is going from whatever it was, 20, 20 until 2021 so i was pretty yeah, yeah. pretty lucky but you know by the time the work was done on it like i closed i think it was in april and then we were back on the market in like may like it was a really quick turnaround we still sold it in the spring market um, yeah so that i think
1: that, that's the key the big thing the big thing that people want to do when you're um when you've got that whole are going to buy first and sell 100% if you can push closing out long do it um, cause the other thing too, I think part of that negotiation is, mm-hmm. Hey, I want to put a long closing cause this is what I got to do, but we can, if things happen the right way, we'll move it up. Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. agrees. Then you're cool. So that's one of those little negotiation pieces. And the other thing too, is make sure the biggest thing is to make sure to have this plan, right? Yeah. Like what if How you have to have that hard conversation of what if it doesn't sell? Right. We had that conversation in whatever September, or October when this house got listed, like, what if it doesn't sell? So we knew this was a possibility, right? Didn't think it was going to happen, but we knew it was possible. So we're, and now we're here and that's, it. it, it is what it is. And we're going to, we're going to work with this, but that's the biggest thing is is making sure you work with someone who can do that. And yeah. um, yes, I'll plug brokers all day long, but you want to have that conversation with your bank. Like, because I'll be honest, I don't know if they could do this. I don't know if the banks could do this deal. So, I actually they couldn't. I'm real. I'm quite honestly sure they couldn't do this deal. Or they would flip it to a broker anyway, right? right. That they have a relationship with because banks do that, by the way, some of them. So it would be. It's like this is where having someone who's got different streams of how of of lending can be super beneficial because any good broker is gonna is gonna see that and say yeah but this is what happens and you could have the comp. one of the answers could be look guys this is all or nothing yeah. like if this doesn't work yeah. just letting you know it's not working it's you you roll the dice but this is the deal right, right? it's a shitty conversation but it, it has to be it has to be had because that's that's <laughs> what can happen and here we are
0: I, I i had a conversation with a client maybe a month ago right before we sold this place and he's like okay so what do we do i'm like okay well here's the deal man you're fucked. I'm sorry to tell you, but he's like, thanks for telling me. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. How do we, what do we do now? What? Okay. Get over that. Now what? Right. Good long-term relationship with a client. So, you know, and, and, and then when we got there, I was like, okay, well let's do everything we can make this happen. Cause this is, this is what it's gotta be. Anyways, lots more to talk about. I uh, will do that more in the next episode. We're big time over time here. Cause we like to talk in case you haven't noticed. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share this with someone who you think might be interested in this conversation. Schedule an appointment with Kyle or I in the calendar links below. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, thank you so much. If you're listening on Spotify, also thanks. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. I'm just kidding. (laughs) If you're still listening, (laughs) Uh, thank you for your ears. And uh, until next time, keep it real. Collective.